My mother believed and my father believed that if I wanted to be president of the United States, I could be, I could be vice president. This is America. Former Vice President Joe Biden has been elected president of the United States. It is my greatest honor and privilege to have been your president. We will be back in some form. We are still deeply divided. Public health experts warned this was coming unless more was done. And here we are now. Are you proud of what happened here today? Absolutely. Never before in American history has there been an uprising like this. Of the 75 million Americans who voted for Donald Trump, I don't know how many today are feeling, dear God, what was I thinking? But I would wager a lot more are thinking, let's carry on this fight. Character matters. It matters. Tell them the truth matters. The 21st century is going to be the American century. Because we lead not only by the example of our power, but by the power of our example. That is the history of the journey of America. Today on Irishman in America, Marion McKeown brings us her review of CPAC. She was there to hear the Trump. This would never have happened if I was in charge speech. And we get the latest from Washington as Russia's brutal attack on Ukraine continues. We also dip into the mailbag to hear your questions from Marion on whether this this war could have been avoided and where Vladimir Putin really came from. As usual, our chosen charity partner is Jigsaw.ie and to hear the full unabridged episode here with Marion and all our podcasts in full, head to patreon.com forward slash Irishman abroad. Marion, when we talked before we came on air, we weren't clear on where to begin, but where maybe we should pick up where we left off, which was you packing your bags last week to head to CPAC and you explaining to us exactly how much this year's CPAC had a bit of a darker edge. Oh God, I, you know, it, it was darker, honestly, than I thought. I, I've been covering CPAC for a long time. Just for the listeners, CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference, it happens every year, once a year. And it's 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 a circus, and I don't mean that in an unkind way. It used to be, it used to be a sort of a mecca for Reagan worshippers. So once a year, all these little old couples would use it as part of their retirement plan, their vacation. They'd all go to CPAC and they'd all meet up, and they'd all worship at these God love them cardboard cutout pictures of Ronald Reagan and talk about how great he was, and it was sort of a safe place for rich elderly conservative Republicans. And since Donald Trump took over, it has turned into really, uh, you know, I, I think I wrote in the Business Post that it's it's a grand king old tableau of the insane, the irrelevant, the investigated and the indicted. And it really is. Um, it's, it's these people who are... And, you know, I even hate the fact that I say these people because it sounds so pejorative, but mm. it's about 5,000 people who are, from what I could see, and I do go around and I spoke to, literally, I can't even tell you how many I spoke to, um, just about what's fueling them, what brings them there, what they're worried about, what keeps them awake at night, and what they want for America. And really, most of what I got was hate. It was hate for Joe Biden, hate for the Democrats. They're still hating Hillary Clinton like it was only yesterday that she did whatever she did to offend them. It's hate and it's grievance, but there's a really dark undertow of white nationalism. Now, I arrived there on early on Friday. Um, it had kicked off on Thursday evening, more or less, and it goes on for, as I said, four days, and they've got all kinds of 
but all the speakers I'd say it's you're talking Marjorie Taylor Greene you're talking Matt Gates you're talking you know um Lauren Bobart like all these Paul Gozer all these extremists who would not have got a hearing in the Republican Party six years ago for love or money I mean they were always there hovering around the fringes but they were on the fringes now they're center stage and that that really is the problem so the first thing that I saw when I got there were two things. The first one was, uh, you know, one of those sky planes where they they trailed the posters mm-hmm. and the poster said, Putin welcomes CPAC to Orlando. Now, that was obviously put up by, you know, a, 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 prote- a Democrat, I would suspect, protester. But it was seen, it's seen because it's all about Trump all the time and whoever Trump loves, the CPAC crowd love. And all the CPAC crowd know that Trump loves Putin and worships him, in fact. So, you know, that was up on uh, in the sky as I went in. But outside at the gate, the, it's in this massive, soulless, oh, my God, I can't even tell you, a place in Orlando, about probably a thousand rooms, you know, all corridors and ballrooms and and uh, it's at the entrance to it, it it's, it's called the the uh, the rose and shingle creek it's as i said it's one of those big soulless convention centers stroke hotels there were people outside and there's always the trump stuff the pictures of trump in his ramble gear with these rippling biceps that would make sylvester stallone <laughs> jealous mm. yeah at his peak and, and, you know, like all these fantasy, fantastical images of Trump, who, are, you know, is, a, is let's face it, a pretty unfit 78-year-old man. You know, I mean, I mean, and they haven't made into this godlike creature. So, but alongside all these posters of Trump with rippling muscles and touting machine guns and, you know, sort of a la Rambo, where I saw swastikas. I saw swastika flags. And this is at the entrance when people were holding them as I was going into the hotel. And that was kind of the first shock. And I got in there then. And on Thursday, you know, you had Ted Cruz. And only Ted Cruz believes that he's going to be president someday, not even his wife. In fact, I suspect particularly not his wife. Hold hold on on the swastikas, though, Marion. First of all, are they waving these proudly? Are they... Yeah. You kind of, yeah. you know, discreetly handling them or uh, like surely, surely they're not just brandishing them around the place like they're American flags. As I say, in at the entrance, there were flags with Trump on them. There were American flags and there were swastikas and, and there seemed to be no objection from the the people who were you know standing next to them they were they were standing there they didn't seem to be causing any offense to the people i'm not saying that everybody who was standing outside all the trump supporters were supporting yeah. these swastika flag people but they certainly didn't appear to be objecting to them either Gosh. um you know and and that's that's really all i can say about it you know quite honestly i wasn't able to stop because of the secret service lockdown i wasn't able to stop and speak to the people who were who had the these swastikas i i was basically i was in a, a car and i was just sent straight in to have my my credentials cleared but but um otherwise i certainly would have spoken and asked and asked the people around what they thought of it but you know it, it to me it was, it was just so disturbing mm. and you know for for forever we've seen the confession Confederate flags at Trump rallies, and of course they're a symbol of black oppression and, and pro-slavery, and you know the the South and, and etc. and Jim Crow, and you know, but but there's nothing new about, as I say, seeing neo-Nazi, you know, sort of 
memorabilia and all the regalia, you know, the, the, whatever the symbols are. There's nothing new about those at Trump rallies, at any Trump gatherings. I've one seen of the reasons at almost I ask, every one of them. But one of the reasons I ask, Marion, is because this uh, denazification of the Ukraine has come up again and again this well, week. Yeah. Uh, it's obviously a red herring. But, you know, I'm I'm so keen to get into, you know, how this was referenced to these people who clearly a portion of them have a certain affinity to uh, the Nazis and that that movement. Yeah, you know, Trump is Trump's MAGA people. I can't speak to what Trump is directly, but his language over the last six years has been so incendiary. He has been absolutely racist on, on, you know, against black Americans in in his words and in his actions, in the way he treated the George Floyd protesters is just one example, you know, of 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 you can really see where 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 his affinities and his biases and his prejudice lie. When he started his campaign back in 2015 by announcing that Mexicans were rapists and drug addicts and etc., he has played the white supremacist card from the get-go. You remember at the very beginning, he refused to disavow David Duke, mm-hmm. the Ku Klux Klan leader, when he supported him. You saw at Charlottesville, when when at the chance and that awful rally, the you know, Jews will not replace us, when he said there were good people on both sides. You know, he has, from the get-go, played this card and played it without any shame or equivocation that I can see, you know, and and, uh, so it's unsurprising that his followers who are virulently anti-immigrant, who are for the most part, from what I've seen, and and, and I have at this stage, I can't tell you how many Trump um, supporters I've spoken to at rallies, at gatherings, at ordinary events, at election, you know, when they're canvassing, I'm just all over the place at various things. So this is not um, an, Shock. you know, it's, it's. but basically, I'm not basing this on talking to half a dozen people. I'm basing this on talking to, I would say over the last six years, thousands of people, because the only way you can try and understand the depth of this is to speak to people all the time. And some of these people, Charles, they are the nicest, kindest, most friendly people. And then something happens when Trump comes on stage. It's like, a, and I've said this before, it's like a trigger flips mm. or uh, there's some kind of a switch. And suddenly, you know, they, they will start yelling out the most shocking things and, and that and that a moment before I will have been talking to them. And I think I'm not naive. There is a, a feeling where they feel that they see, you know, a, a white woman in, in her 50s and they think okay we're safe here she's one of us and yeah. there is that presumption that i'm one of them and and you know because i'm asking questions and i'm you know genuinely as i'm trying to find out i'm not trying to pass judgment on anyone but as a journalist trying to find out why they're there what it is that's motivation and mostly what they're afraid of and what they are all afraid of is that they will be replaced by brown and black and Jewish people. That is the fear that keeps them turning up at rallies and yelling and shouting. And it's so absurd, but it's a fear that Donald Trump has played on for all these years and recognized very early on and recognized that the only way he could win would be to convince white Americans who still make 60% of America, you know, are thereabouts, maybe a little more, that, you know, they are being threatened, that their America is being threatened by all these immigrants, these Muslims, these black people, these Mexicans coming in and, as they would put it, swarming the country. And, and you know, and that that is the card that he played from the very get-go. And as I say, it was the only way he could conceivably have gotten 
enough white people together to vote for him as a bloc to get a, such a substantial number of white Americans on board with his scaremongering, his racism. And let's not forget that when Barack Obama was elected president, the idea of a black president, and not just one term, but a two-term black president was so anathema to so many of these people, and then Trump gave them a place to go. He recognized it, and he created a place for them. And that's what he basically did with the Republican Party. So there you have it. That's your taste of the Irishman in America for this week with Marion McKeown. Come on over and hear the rest of the conversation by becoming a member at patreon.com forward slash Irishman abroad and enjoy all these conversations in full, including our feature interview every Sunday and our back catalogue of nearly eight years of interviews at patreon.com forward slash Irishman abroad. Ready? You have the cameras rolling? This is America. A lot of people who would probably consider themselves liberal have done very well financially under the Donald Trump four years. You encouraged espionage against our people. You condemn any interference by Russia in the American election. By Russia or anybody else. Russia, please, if you can, get us Hillary Clinton's emails. Please, Russia, please. To renew America, we must revitalize our democracy.